Welcome to Fly on the Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Songson, CEO and founder of Church Boom. Here you get to sit in on a live coaching session as I coach pastors through the ministry challenges we all face. If you find this podcast helpful, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. So great to have you on today's podcast. I'm excited about our conversation today with my good buddy, Josh, pastor in New Mexico. And we are talking about how do we learn to lead from the second chair? There is always tension between first and second chair leaders. How do you manage that tension so that we can keep harmony and unity in the staff? It's a great episode. Hope you enjoy it. How can I help you today, Josh, man? How can I serve you? Well, uh, just some a couple questions. Uh, absolutely yeah. um, love the the coaching <laughs> dynamic, and really, um, it in a in a transition of seats, uh, which has been great. Very thankful for it. Loving the season that I'm in. Uh, but there are some there are some dynamics that I just love to get your input on, yeah. um, just to make sure that I'm doing it well. You know what yeah. I mean? We could all think we have a good idea, and then come yeah. to find out later, it's like, well. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyways, uh, so in the, in the change of a lead seat to a staff seat, I'm thankful that some of the heavier weights of those seats. Um, that the lead seat isn't necessarily my responsibility anymore per se. But um, one of the big questions I have is what would be three ways uh, to best lead up to serve the church from a second seat, from a, from a, a helping seat, rather than being the one that has to make all the calls. And because when I sat in that lead seat, I wasn't thinking like this. And so I think it, yeah, I'm just yeah. trying to figure out how the best process yeah. would be. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. The, I, well, one, for those that are uh, just up, up, updating anybody that's watching or listening to this. So Josh transitioned from being a lead pastor to being an executive pastor and, and, and more of an executive role, uh, which is a huge change because now you go from lead pastor, executive role. So I think anytime that you're transitioning, I think one, <clears throat> anytime you're transitioning, you've got to think about, okay, what does this new role look like? And how do I best serve the situation? One advantage that you have, Josh, is you've been in the lead role. So one thing you ask yourself is, if I had an executive pastor back in the day, a year ago, two years ago, when I was lead pastor, whatever it's been, if I had, a, if I had a, a, an executive, what would I want from them? Because no one knows more than anything what a true lead pastor would want from an executive associate type pastor. So I think you would be able to know that. But from, from my own perspective, the things that I think are natural uh, above anything else, I want loyalty. I gotta have loyalty. You know, I, I want someone that's gonna have uh, loyalty to me. Uh, loyalty to me means that I that I can that I know my name is safe in their mouth. That I know that I can trust them when I'm not around. That I know that not only are they not going to say anything negative, they're not even going to entertain the idea or even give, give the idea. Because I think we can give nonverbal cues for being negative. So someone says, hey, what do you think of Pastor so-and-so? And you're like, well, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I'll just, you know, I think he's a good guy. It's like you did all this stuff and it's like, yeah, you just told the person you got a problem, but you didn't say it, but you nonverbal cued it. And I think that loyalty has to go verbal and nonverbal. Because I think people say, well, I didn't say anything. Yeah, but you definitely made it very clear that you were not being loyal. I, I think that you have to do more than just, uh, I think it's, I, you've heard me say this before. Faithfulness says I won't say anything bad about you. Loyalty says I won't let anybody else say anything bad about you. Uh, and I think that's loyalty, but it's verbal and the nonverbal cues. Secondly is 
making sure that you are 100% supporting their vision. And it's not just a vision of, hey, we're going to build a building or something like that. It's, it's um, hey, this is our style. This is our culture. We're verse by verse. We're not verse by verse. We're topical. We do a lot for the homeless. We don't do as much for the homeless. We do this. We feel called to do this. We feel called to do that. We think this is our role in the city. Whatever, whatever it is. Um, because here's what I always say. When you're a second chair leader and you have first chair responsibilities, that creates tension because you have an opinion that's different than the leader. You have an idea that's different than a leader. You are stronger in certain areas that the leader isn't stronger in. And that natural feel creates a tension that happens between the first and second chair. You're a second chair leader with first chair responsibilities. You're, and here's the thing about you, because you've been a lead pastor before, you're not only a second chair leader with first chair responsibilities, you're a second chair leader with first chair abilities. Not just responsibilities, abilities. And it creates a natural tension. And you have to manage that tension, not only in the loyalty, but in the vision. More than one vision always creates division. So you have to be loyal in the, in the, not only to the person, but to the vision. If they feel, hey, I'm going to be like this or we're going to be like that, even though you have an opinion, you can voice that opinion privately. But you cannot voice it publicly. I always, you know, you've probably heard it before, but uh, uh, loyalty, loyalty uh, um, publicly gives you leverage privately. Loyalty publicly will give you leverage okay. privately. So be loyal, not, but not just loyal as, as the person. You're not going to say anything bad. You're going to protect them, but their vision as well, because you're going to have a different opinion. Their weakness is going to be your strength. Their idea is going to be different than your idea. Uh, your direction will be different. Their direction will be different than your direction. That's, that's first and second chair tension. But you can't give in to that tension, man. You've got to sell to that vision. And then, thirdly, man, you've got to do everything you can to help push that ministry forward. Uh, you are not the visionary you are the designer and developer. You are the you are not the creator as much as you are the implementer. And it might not be your strength. It might not be the biggest strength you have, or you might be stronger in certain areas, but you got to figure out how do I take what's in the pastor's heart and make it reality? So there's a, there's always ideation and implementation. You are not so much on ideation anymore because you're not in the first chair. You're more on implementation because you're in the second chair. So right. now you have to add value to that implementation part. And uh, you've got to bring implementation to things. So, man, I want people that are loyal. I want people that are going to get behind the vision, even if it's different than the way they see it. And I want high implementers, people that just are going to get it done. Uh, um, even though it may not be their vision. They know how to get it done. They're going to carry out the vision of someone else. And that's a hard thing to do. Uh, but I think that that's the, le that's the level of that second, in, uh, second chair. And again, your attention, second chair abilities, second chair responsibilities. Or I'm sorry, you, have, you are a second chair leader, but you have first chair responsibilities and you have first chair abilities. 
right? It creates attention. And, and, and I'm and I'm thankful for that. And you kind of it's interesting you mentioned the tension dynamic because I was I was trying to figure that out as actually another one of the questions I had for you is in in balancing uh, that tension. Uh, would you say that it's best to not really like if if there's vision or a possibility of another direction? Always a like a, a behind closed doors dynamic in the sense of like not voicing an, another idea in front of the rest of the team uh, to have those conversations one on one to make sure that we don't create any division. Because the last thing I'd want to do is help a staff go like, well, I like his idea better than his idea. You know, yeah. should should it always be closed door dynamic or behind? Doors? I wouldn't say it's always closed door. I think you have to watch your heart. You got to watch your attitude. You got to watch timing. I think there's wisdom there. Um, in theory and in practicality, you, uh, this is a great lesson. Choose yes end over over this idea of either or. Choose yes end, not either or. Okay, here's an idea. Yeah, that's a great idea, Pastor. And what if we did it this way? And what if we tweaked it this way? And what if we added this to it? So you're taking his idea, yes end. Mm-hmm. I think great leaders choose yes and, not either or. Yes and is good idea. Let me add to that. Good idea. What if we did it this way? Good idea. Oh, that's great. What if we, what if we, what if we publicly? Either or is, okay, that's your idea. Let me tell you my idea. Now you have everybody on the team going either or. There's mm-hmm. no, I, I, I guess there's one idea is idea A and idea B and who knows which one they're going to like. I think you can have some private talks of either or. But public talks need to lean more towards yes end. So lean towards yes end, not either or. And I think that's how you handle that. Awesome. Um, So with that, being empowered to do ministry and run with it, what um, what would be the most important things you believe would be to communicate up to the senior leader? Because I know we need to, like, they need to do their own thing. They have their own responsibilities. What would be the best thing that just... Make sure he knows X, Y, and Z. What, what's the top of the list that you would request to know from your second seat? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, one, I don't want to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not really. You don't need to tell me everything. Otherwise, you're going to give me detail fatigue. And uh, you do not want to get detail fatigue. Um, right. You do not want to get wrapped up in that. that. I think there's a good balance there, and I think you have to find that because I think every every leader's different. Some leaders really want to know more about this. Some leaders want to know more about that. Um, uh, there's some parameters that I think that I feel like are important. One, the information that you have in your head as a second chair leader, <clears throat> going to that first chair leader, the information you have, is it potentially damaging to our future? I want to know about that. If it's damaging to our future, I want to know about it. Um, By me leaning in on it, can I help resolve this problem or can you resolve it on your own? Uh, Do do you need me to help you lean in on it or is it something, I got this, you don't even need to know about it. So I'm looking at, if it's damaging, I want to know about it. If it's something that you feel that we need to collaborate on to solve because it's a pretty decent sized problem, then I want to know about that. If it's a smaller problem, don't want to know about it. Uh, if it's a problem that is not relatively damaging, I don't want to. I, I don't need to know about it. The one thing I always say is, Josh, is that you want to push decision making down to the lowest level possible. Right. And so, <clears throat> allows other people to make those decisions. And I think that's that's the balance. I think as a lead pastor, 
as the church grows, one thing I always say is you can't add hours, you can only trade them. So you have to, as a lead pastor, you have to continue to say, okay, I can't get caught up in these details because I have to be over here. It's almost like Nehemiah. I can't come down from this ladder. I got too much work to do. It's kind of like, you want me to come down to this ladder and be a part of that? And uh, um, I, I remember uh, I remember uh, uh, my own personal coach. I've got two coaches. I've had coaches for years. I believe in getting coached regularly, and I have for over 15 years now. Um, but I remember one of my coach, coaches told me, he said, uh, that he, he used to say this in staff meetings and I kind of stole it from him <laughs> is, uh, uh, if someone brought up a problem in a staff meeting, he, his, his ongoing joke was that sounds like a $5 problem. <laughs> I think that's so funny. <laughs> like we got, we got 10 staff members in here. We're a church of 3000, you know, and he's telling me this or 4,000, whatever they were at the time. And he's like, that sounds like a $5 problem. <laughs> In other words, why are we, why, not only why are you bringing it up to me, why are you even bringing it into this room? And that was a, a sarcastic, funny way of saying, we really don't need to be talking about this, you know, because you got this. I don't need to be a part of that. And I think as, as second chair leaders, we have to say, is it going to be damaging? Do I need their help in solving this? I think there would be a third component is if it's a high level, leader, staff, and something's happening in their life, I probably want to know about it. You know, you got a church of 3,000 and you hear about Sister Susie who is, you know, going to have surgery. You got 3,000 people. You don't even know who she is. You know, it's like, I don't know. I mean, bring it up as as a point of prayer in in staff, but I I can't know about 3,000 people's issues. But, man, my staff, my key, key, key leaders, my board, yeah, if their kid's in the hospital, I want to know about that. Uh, because of the ones that I probably work with close. And some people have a hard time with that, but they also haven't sat in the chair where you're monitoring three or 4,000 people and going, I can't, I don't even know everybody's name. Uh, right. You know, so anyway, I, I think that those kind of things. Yeah. yeah that, so. that makes sense. Yeah, just knowing what to really like send up the ladder and where to draw the line of going like, I'll take care of this because this doesn't need to be on this plate. You know? Right, so. and, and not even know about it. You know, uh, it's like, just just handle it. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I think there'll be some tension there. There's, there have been times where you're like, I should have know about that. But as a lead pastor, he's got to say, hey, in the future, that kind of thing, I want to know about. Oh, okay, got it. There'll be some mistakes in that, but that's okay. Uh, you'll figure it out as you go. But you don't want your pastor, which actually I just did some coaching with him a couple of weeks ago. I said, bro, you get caught up in detail fatigue. He does. Where I'm like, why do you know about that? I, I, why do you even know how much the paint cost? Like what, what, uh, you know, I, I just throw that out of my, he didn't say that, but I just made that up. That's a pretty good example though. Uh, it, it was. Yeah. Like, and he probably does. And I'm like, what do you know about that for? You shouldn't know about that. And he was like, you're right. You're so right. I go, you're in detail fatigue. There's just stuff you shouldn't know. And I think you got to find that balance, you know, okay. where it's like, ah, oh, he knows about that or he doesn't need to know about that. And he, you know, and then he might say, oh, I should have knew about that. Or he might, and you got to be able to talk to him and say, if I'm telling you stuff you don't want to know about, tell me so I can categorize it and not bring it up in the future. Because you want him to focus on the big things. You know, uh, it's like the manager of a major league sports, you know, basketball, football, whatever. The football guy doesn't want to know that the, the washing machine for the towels is broken. Uh, like, <laughs> look, dude, I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to get us to the playoffs. I don't need to know about the towels. Uh, you know, and again, right. a weird example, but it's like at some level you want to know, but 
There's a lot of things that guy doesn't need to know about because there's just right. too many other things he needs to focus on. So I don't know. Anyway. So good. So good. Yeah. Oh, that makes, that makes great yeah. sense. Um, okay. So in that, just trying to ebb and flow of that, um, how do you, how do you stay healthy when, um, I mean, I know moving from the lead seat, you had to wear multiple hats. It's just reality of it. It was a smaller church. So you wore almost all the hats. So transitioning out of that, but how do you stay healthy wearing multiple hats when like for my, my example, and I'm sure others can um, kind of associate themselves with it, but like the hats seem to change, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's just like, and it's like a, a constant state of change of just going like to really get to a place maybe where you haven't been able to dial something in or you do dial something in. It's like, cool, that's working. Now let's change over here. So what's the best way to stay healthy and keep proper communication, keep proper alignment if the the seat, the hat continues to need to change? Because I recognize we grow a little bit more. My hat's going to need to change again. Right. And so like, how do, how do you balance that out? Yeah, that's great. Great question. Um, it is, it is a balance. Um, I think there's a couple dynamics in the church cause I, I coach you guys on a regular basis. There's a couple dynamics. One, you do have a growing church. That's a dynamic. Not every church is growing. Matter of fact, 84% of all churches are in, are in plateau or decline. So you're in the top 16% of churches that are actually growing. Okay. That's a good thing. Uh, but it does create attention. Secondly, um, as you're growing, you're adding a couple of team members and you're starting to realize like, okay, wait a minute. Okay. I need to start doing this. We just had a meeting a couple of weeks ago where I'm like, okay, I said to you, we got to shift you over here. Um, I think that there is, there's a growing dynamic that creates it and there's finding people's sweet spot that create it. So it's like, he's, he's better over here than he is here. So why leave him over there? Uh, so there is a couple of, couple, I think, dynamics that you're dealing with. Growing is one, finding sweet spots, realizing that person's actually better over here than they are over here. And that's an okay thing. Everybody's, there's certain areas you do not, like, you do not want to put me in charge of worship. I, I can't sing. Uh, don't have me take care of the children. I'll just put them out on the freeway and say, whoever dodges the cars wins. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about children's <laughs> department. Like, so don't put me there. Uh, we all have that. We all have things we're good at and things right. we're not. Um, but I do think that there has to be a fast, fluid, and flexible mentality with the team. If you get you guys are moving pretty good and growing pretty good, you got to be fast, fluid, and flexible right now. Like, okay, that's going to change. In six months, three months, it might change again, and that's okay. I do think that continual op- open communication with the top team lever, uh, levels, the pastor, maybe one or two other associates, you got to got to communicate with. Okay, I'm doing in this lane. I feel really good about it. I'm thriving. You're doing good in that lane, and you, I think there has to be open dialogue with each other of. Hey, I feel like I'm thriving in this lane, but I don't think I'm thriving so much in this lane. Okay, um, how I'll keep doing that lane, but what if we switched with that person, switch lanes? Because I think they're actually better over there. I just did that with you and Marcus, one of the other associates. I said switch lanes, and you guys t- just two weeks ago we were sat in the office together in Mexico, New Mexico, and switch lanes, and we switch lanes. And I think you've got to be fast, fluid, and flexible to that. I think there has to be open communication. Don't. One thing I think people do is they sit on areas that they sit on areas or sit in areas where they're not that strong. They're not really delivering. They know they're not delivering, but they don't want to look like they're weak. They don't want to look like they can't handle it. Well, hey, I'm just speaking like I'm you. Hey, pastor, I'll do this and do it to the best of my ability. 
I actually think I would be more effective in these other two or three lanes than in this one over here. Um, so let's figure out what we can do. Now, that pastor might say, well, let's switch lanes with the other associate, or let's raise up a leader to get that off your plate. I literally had a call earlier today with a pretty good-sized church in Texas, and I told the executive pastor, I said, uh, you, let's get that and that off your plate in the next 90 days because you're playing backstop to everybody's problems. Every ball that gets missed hits a backstop, and you're the backstop. You can't do that anymore. Uh, and they're never fine-tuning it. So those are kind of the things I would like. Open and honest communication. Uh, you're, you have a natural tension. You can't avoid that. Growing churches will create that. Um, it definitely creates that. But you got to have open communication, and you can't be afraid to speak up. A person can't be afraid to speak up and say, this is not my strength. Uh, put me in this lane, you know. Uh, it's, uh, I'm just not good over here. Uh, or let me, let me raise someone up. And, uh, because we want what's best for the church. Right. And our silence and need to appear stronger than we really are actually hurts the church and hurts the growth of the church which hurts the kingdom, which is kind of a big thing. Uh, so I think being honest is really helpful. Yeah. Right. No, that, that makes, that makes complete sense. So just having the conversation and then, and I guess there will be times that we're just for a season, you're going to have to do something you don't want to do, which actually should serve as a good reminder to train somebody to do it, <laughs> I guess. So <laughs> it's getting out of that mentality of going like someone else can do this better than I can. Who is that person? Right. Um, Right. Okay. Well, that's that. And you've had challenges with that. That's no secret. I'm not bringing up anything publicly here that you haven't had challenges with. You've had a challenge from flipping over from doer to leader. Yeah, mm -hmm. because you're a natural doer and you're a mm -hmm. utility player. But here's the thing. Pros don't stay utility players. I mean, it's very rare because they get specialized. you got to realize the two or three buckets, lanes, whatever you want to call it, that you're good at running in and dive deep into those and kill it in those better than anybody else in the nation. Just kill it the best that you can. But you can't be the utility player. That's You can do that when you're 12 years old and in Little League. You play right field, you play left field, you play catcher, you play pitcher, you play it all. That's Little League. That's not the pros. You don't do that in the pros. You get very specialized. And as leaders, if we want to move from Little Leagues to the pros – we, we get specialized, and we know exactly what we're good at, what we're not good at, and we fight to stay in those lanes. And uh, that's, a, that's a thing I think that you've been growing in because you're realizing just because I can doesn't mean I should. Yeah. I can be a utility player, but utility player, but doesn't mean I should. I can do that, but that's and, – and I mean this in a, in a fun – tongue-in-cheek type of way, that's, that's Little League. And I guess if I want to stay Little League, I guess I could be utility. But if I want to grow as a leader, help the church grow, grow as a, as a, as a, as a, as a leader in the, in the kingdom at the church, I got to move from utility to specialist. I got to know these are the two or three things I'm good at, and I crush it in these areas, and I will kill it in these areas, and nobody does better than this in, in, in these areas. Again, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And you got to move from utility to specialist. And that's a, that's a hard thing for people to do because you're so yeah. in the habit of doing. But mm -hmm. it doesn't mean it's right. Uh, and yeah. it doesn't mean it's healthy. And it'll hold you back, bro. You're, you're a, you got an amazing heart, man. You're easy to get along with. You're likable. You're capable. I think people like you, all that. 
But your flip from utility to specialist, um, I and 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 just knowing your lanes and the ability to raise up leaders and lead leaders, not leading followers, it is an incredibly crucial next step for you in your leadership. I've seen it. I've known you for a long time, and I'm watching it. And I think you're wrestling with it more than you ever have in this last year. Um, but you got to keep wrestling with it because you got to fight for the lanes that you are good in. Because you're you're you know again tongue in cheek. Uh, we you know uh, when you're a youth pastor, you can kind of play that little league utility player, you know. And then but as you get older, it's like can't do that anymore. Uh, just not it's not good. So, yeah, you yeah. used the verbiage when you were here last time, um, personality to personnel. And yeah. that rung a bell, that rung a bell that I just, even though I've heard you say it other ways, when you said that, I was just like, oh, snap, there it is, you know, kind of thing. And I know in return, I, I, there's a lot of parts you had to play. Uh, the the yeah. Using baseball's analogy, that the depth of the positions, it's just, it, it was a much smaller community and it was hard to find the technicalities of some of those things. And that's yeah. not the same here, but on the flip side, um, you know, moving into truly making that transition, it struck a chord. Uh, and yeah. I'm going like, okay, there's our next steps. That that yeah. really makes sense. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, and I just just to highlight that for for everyone is, you have to make the move from personality to personnel. Every church will get to a certain level just on the personality. 50, 100, 200, whatever. It's like, man, they they got a great personality. You know, the husband and wife couple, they're dynamic. People want to be around them. Maybe they got another person on the team that's got a good personality, whatever. But if you want to go from good to great, you want to go from small to medium, medium to large, church, whatever, you flip from personality to personnel. It's who you put around you. It's your, that, That's what it really means. It's no longer just you. It's, man, I got to have amazing leaders around me if we want to make the jump. If we don't want to make the jump, then keep it at personality. But if you want to make the jump, you got to go to personnel, which means it's not so much paid people, but who are the top three, four, eight leaders around me? Are they next level? Am I developing them? Are they getting better? Am I giving away the authority? Am I leading leaders? That's personnel. Um, that's your team. And if you stay at personality, it's a lid every right. single time. But you move to personnel being who's around me. That and and man, I am like I am just gonna. I'm speaking as if I'm a lead pastor of a church with, with you guys. I'm like I am gonna get, or even you, I am gonna get four, five amazing leaders around me. I'm gonna put them on my team. We restructured some of the stuff you do. I'm gonna work with that team as my staff. And if I can get those guys to seven, eight, man, this thing will just thrive. You know, personality, it'll thrive to here, but it'll never ever get over here until you flip from personality to personnel. But that's good that you brought that up, man. But dude, you're a good leader. And uh, um, man, I, I, I see you struggling, not struggling. I see you wrestling with some of these things. Keep wrestling with it. Um, don't, yeah, make the leap, make the jump from good to great. Uh, and it will come down to who you, put your, who you put around you, developing those teams. You have to run team leaders, not run the ministry. You have to do that. It's got to switch over to that, or you will hold the church back, and ultimately you'll hold yourself back, and you'll always be here rather than way up here. So 
Dude, Thank it you. is always good seeing you, man. I love it. And, uh, man, you're doing a great job. Just keep up the amazing work, really. And, uh, man, appreciate your heart and appreciate your spirit. So, And I look forward to being in Roswell again, maybe seeing a UFO. Who knows? Um, we'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> if you're ever in Roswell, go to the museum. It's like $5 to get in. It's the worst museum on the planet. But <laughs> So true, though. So true. <laughs> so cheesy, but it's but I liked it anyway. It was awesome, man. Hey, thanks for being on, buddy. Appreciate you, man. All right, talk later. Thank you for tuning in to the Fly on the Wall podcast. We hope today's episode provided you with some practical steps to lead your church to the next level. If you found this episode helpful, take a moment to leave us a review and share it with others. Remember, when the pastor grows, the church grows, and we grow pastors. We love you. We're your raving fans, and we are cheering you on. See you next week.